Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the phenomenal Emily Fox. Emily is a graduate from the Lear Acting Programme in Dublin. She is an actor currently working on Systemic by David Donovan that's going to be in this year's Seen and Heard Festival in the main space. And she is also in preparations for the brilliant Gemma Kane's debut play, 48, which is directed by Claire Maguire and again going to be in the main space in Smock Alley. Uh, you'll best know Emily from her work on Vikings, obviously uh, a massive international, huge, huge uh, hugely successful show uh, worldwide and as well closer to home in the brilliant Peep by Jodie Gray that was directed by the excellent and future guest Gavin Costick um, as well as that she's done No One Sees the Video by Martin Crimp which was done by the brilliant Samantha Cade and yet loads and loads of brilliant stuff so keep an eye out for Emily's upcoming work uh, she's one of my favourite people and uh, M if you're listening oh I called you M I don't normally do that, don't know how I feel about it, but look, it's out there now. I was going to say, thanks for doing the show. Uh, guys, I can't believe the success of our Patreon launch last week. Kind of sounds disingenuous when I say it in that tone, but seriously, people were so kind with their donations. Look, Patreon is a website that's there for you to support artists like me, making stuff for you for free. Um... We have the link in our show notes, so go and check that out. Even if you have no intention of donating, go and check out the page. It's kind of cool. Uh, there's some cool uh, bits and bobs about the show, and I will be posting there. It's a good way to keep in touch with me, as well as Twitter and Instagram or whatever else you might use. But look, the Patreon page is basically there. It's a model based off soundness, as Blind Boy says. I like that quote because it's true. The podcast is not going to change. Fundamentally, absolutely nothing changes about the show. We're going to keep bringing it to you week to week to week for absolutely nothing. But if you are in a position where you appreciate it, it means something to you, you've enjoyed episodes, you enjoy it every week, whatever the fuck that might be, and you want to give something back, and you can give something back, Patreon is by far the best way to do that. Uh, rewards start from as low as a fiver, but look, guys, I even know as, you know, an artist, a young person, uh, someone with just financial worries, I'm sure we're all in that boat, we can all relate to that. If five euro dollars, whatever the fuck it might be, is not attainable for you, this sounds silly, but honestly... A euro, two euro, that makes a difference. We have thousands of listeners. If even a percentage of those people can chuck something our way, even if it is as small as a euro or two euro, look, you do the maths and that. That could be life-changing. Um, and it will work out at something like 25 or 50 cent an episode. I know that sounds stupid. I know that sounds futile. Honestly, it's not. We're not looking to make massive bucks off this. All this really is is a way of us monitoring costs, whether that's just transport costs, coffee costs, bingo costs, printing costs, whatever the fuck it might be, um, that's the goal of this, and if you're in a position to uh, help us do that, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe in the future, um, to it'll be a way of us getting paid for our uh, time, that'd be just amazing, that'd be like the dream for us, but it just felt like the right time coming into 2019, and after doing, you know, the 105 episodes, or whatever the fuck it's been, to try and kick things on a level, because that's always important, and um, Patreon is by far the best way to do that, look, I'm not going to name all the patrons who've jumped on board already, but guys, honestly, from the bottom of my heart thank you thank you thank you I can't tell you how much it means even the thought that you you know pull out your card and input the numbers into a computer and just take the time to do that was was gorgeous and I don't need to tell you that the financial end of it makes a huge difference to us so seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you so much if you're in a position to help us out with a few quid guys look it just means the world if you're not that's totally fine I can't wait to bring you to future episodes of the podcast but look enough of that 
guys, please enjoy the amazing Emily Fox playing personality bingo with Tom Moran. Fox, ready to play personality bingo? Yes, I am, Tom Warren. All right, here we go. So a quick explanation of how it all works. I've got 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you a sheet of paper with five numbers on the paper. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? Yes. Um, two. Yes. 59. Okay. 16. Right. 23. Lovely. And 41. Gorgeous. Would you do me another favour and pick a sixth number, something between one and 60 that's not already there? What are you going to go for? Eight. Eight. Any reason? It's infinity. Oh. Is that a fact? Yeah. It's like the symbol for infinity. Is it? Yeah. Did you not know them? No. I'm very stupid. Okay. Well, we're learning. Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, you know, like, the, I don't, you, you know, like sometimes you say something like that, you're like, I'm very stupid. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not stupid. I, I don't believe. But like, it's a f- one thing to say that. I don't know why. Like that, it makes me happy to say like, I'm very stupid. But that's it's not a humbling. Good, it's humbling. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. It's but kind of think, putting you on the back foot a bit. Yeah. I like the back foot. You do? Okay. I do. But I think I think I like it because it, it, there's a lot of power in the back foot. Because then you don't come across as like... And maybe it's good in the podcast scenario because you don't come across as like aggressive or overly dominant or something. Yeah, being a bit pushy maybe. A bit pushy. So yeah, you kind of puts the guests in like, the, they feel like in a good position of status. Maybe that's what's going on. I'm okay, not sure. well now I feel like you're going to lie about everything and be like, oh, I didn't know that. I really am. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, Jesus, Tom. What's the worst thing you've ever done? <laughs> um, Come on and this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it could be. I'm kidding. What's the worst thing that could happen here? Um, oh, I don't know, like, I lose control of my bowels. Would that be the worst thing? <laughs> I was more thinking of your death, but that's bad too. Maybe that you die like from bell ringing. Like a final rating. destination kind of mic incident. I've never seen that movie. I mean, see, that's another thing I'm really bad with, like, with, like, classic movies. But I'm really good with, like, current ones, if that I wouldn't. Sense. I wouldn't say it's a classic by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Um, It's just one of those kind of iconic stupid films because mm. they uh, like death is the is like the bad guy in it so like you know there's no Halloween mask to sell with Final Destination yeah because the baddie is death and they just die in stupid ways in like tanning beds and stuff oh like they get trapped I, I had or like impaled suddenly mm. you watch it just for comedic value. I mean, you've sold it to me here. I, I, um, I should say, I should say, I should say that if um, all six of them numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned. You get to ask me any question in the whole wide world. I'll give you a totally honest answer. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's give it a spin. All right. Here we go. First out the gate, we have number six. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number six. The question is, if you couldn't do what you're doing right now, what career would you pursue? Oh, um, that's an easy one. Uh, I would be a veterinary nurse or actually, no, better again. I would like to be an exotic vet. Mm. Um, it's been something I've been thinking about, actually, because, you know, sometimes being an unemployed actor is hard. Yeah. Um, but I have a, a snake and um, he was very sick uh, 
in the last year or so. And the only place I could bring him was um, a vet out in Bray. Barbara O'Malley is her name. She used to have her own show on like BBC. And she's like the only exotic vet that you can bring your exotic pet to. Mm. So she has the monopoly there mm. on all of the cool animals, uh, making lots of dosh, I imagine. And I just think it's it's really like specific area of expertise that so, would be very interesting to me. So she saves your beloved animal's life and you want to fuck her business up? No, I admire her. I want to be her. <laughs> um, no, I get it. So what, like, the fact that you have a snake is something that I've never talked to you about and it's one of the most interesting things about you. It's really not. Okay. <laughs> um, I've had him for so long, like nine years. Right. And actually, I, I refer to him as a he, but um, I have reason to believe it's probably a female. Mm. But his name is Lucifer and I'm not willing to change the name yeah um lucy this is so, the obvious one yeah like my my mom would call him lucy mm. uh which is cute and everything um but i'm just in such a habit of saying he all the time that uh i've just kind of forgotten that bit of information when the vet was like it's probably a female yeah and snakes are one of them animals like as in i don't really believe in a male cat in the same way i don't really believe in a female snake does that make sense like they're characteristics are so female for cats. Yeah. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. Do you from. know what I mean? Like, yeah, like felines are so feminine mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I can see that because like when you handle a snake, they're real like, they like ring around you and they're real like soft and gentle. and I know, yeah. They're really like soft to the touch and people are always like, oh, I thought he'd be slimy. But um, like so smooth mm. and like... um. They're lovely little creatures that just want to, like, steal your body heat. And what was the... How did you get a snake? I always wanted one um, in the same way that I always want any pet, really. Like, I always had, like, newts or, like, frogs or hamsters. And, you know, we just always had animals in the house and... Then I was turning 17 and I remember I had like 200 euro in like birthday money that was gifted to me. And um, me and my mom went into the local pet shop, Whackers, and we were getting something like, I don't know, goldfish food or something. And they had this little snake there. And uh, I was like, oh my God, I felt so sorry for it. And I asked my mom, I was like, I, I, I would really like a snake. And she was like... Yeah, but I like it's weird that they're selling a snake here in this hamster shop. Mm. I was like, yeah, that is weird. Like, why did they suddenly get a snake in? Like, this is where you come to buy a bird feeder. So, um, we we did a bit of shopping around. Like, we went to a, a cooler pet shop in Colester, and they didn't have any. So I was like, here, I'm going back, and I'm saving that little guy. And I'm so glad that I did because I don't think there's much of a market for snakes in Donnemead. So he'd probably still be there mm. had I not him. Do you think he loves you? Um, I I don't think they're capable of love really because like their brains are like the size of peas. Well, no, not that small, but they're very small. And I think that I do have a relationship with the snake mm. because I feed him and I take him out and I handle him and care for him. But then that was all turned on its head a while ago because um. Went to take him out and he latched onto me, like bit me so hard. 
and uh, it's like a trait of a bull snake to like latch on and not let go like lockjaw. And um, he'd never done that before in the in the nine years or the eight years I had had him at that point. And uh, at the start, I was a bit like, "Ah, oh, come on now, like, what are, what are you playing at?" Then he like it was on for like a minute. I was like, "Okay, I'll just run his head under the tap and maybe he'll let go." Then didn't work. I was like, "Okay, I don't want to waterboard the snake." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then after about four minutes, it just suddenly dawned on me that like there was a snake latched onto my hand and he's kind of like putting a bit of pressure behind it and like shaking his head from side to side. And uh, I just started like screaming and I've never been afraid of him ever. But my brother came in and I like, got a pencil and we kind of like wedged it in between his hand and and we got him off that way. But um, after that, I was like, you do not care about me. As my pet animal who I love dearly, you would eat my hand. Whoa. Yeah, so. And, like, did you did you have to go to the vet and be like, my snake, you know, is acting weird? Strange. Yeah. No, he was just hungry. Oh. Like, I just had to feed him. And I had been, like, restricting his food because he had a lot of surgery. It sounds ridiculous. Like, if you saw him, he, he weighs, like, less than... 200 grams or something so yeah he had a lot of surgery and um when I fed him it was like affecting the like stitches and stuff that he had so I was like feeding him less and less and uh which is totally fine because they can like survive off air basically um but yeah I just fed him then and we were we were g's again does he eat mice yeah do you feed him mice yeah are you afraid of mice no no um and I actually feel real sorry it's illegal to um, feed an animal another live animal in Ireland. Um, so you can't buy uh, like little animals for snakes or reptiles or anything like that. So they're frozen, but um, they are real cute looking and it breaks my heart. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore because I'm not You don't like mice? No, I'm really afraid of rats. Don't know why. Not I, the same I, thing. I heard, not not the same thing. But like, I think I don't like anything with a tail like that. Mm. What do, do snakes have? Like, what are their genitals like? Um, they're kind of like on the inside. Um, mm. and then when they would be, you know, participating in the act of sweet love, um, like it would it would emerge from this like kind of. It's not a pouch, but like if you look at their underbelly, you can see there's like a change in their scales, mm. and that's where that's where the magic happens. Is your snake a virgin? I imagine so. Yeah. Mm. Are you okay with that? Um. Well, like, I'm not prepared to breed him mm. or her. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm. In the same way that, like, you neuter your dog. Yeah. You know, like, you kind of just have to make that decision for them. That's true, but snakes seem more sexual to me than dogs. Does that make sense? Like, my, no. li- my little my little dog, like, you know, I don't know, she feels more like a, a toddler. But whereas snakes, like, feel sexy, like, it's so, like, on the nose, but it's that, like... That like you know the cr- movement curvy of the, body yeah. thing and like the sound you associate is like 
sense, which is like just I don't know why, but that just feels sexy. There's a lot of weird um, connotations, I think, to snakes, mm. and like the fact that I call mine Lucifer probably wasn't the brightest idea because it's like the devil or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when people like meet him, they're like, "Oh my god, yeah, it's so evil." Yeah, like oh god, they're just a little creature, and like they don't really live in like. Um, like they they don't have like pack mentality, so they're very like solitary creatures. Mm. So they probably like have very little sex. Mm. But interestingly enough, I'm gonna stop talking about snakes now in a minute. But uh, a female snake can lay eggs like a chicken, like that are unfertilized. So that's why I was convinced that mine wasn't a female, because mm. you would just be like cleaning the eggs out of the enclosure the whole time. Um, so that's kind of cool that like they can experience that. Without having fertilized, yeah. Without without the sex, yeah, it's pretty handy. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dark O'Shea. I'm Alama Jakadumi, and I'm Pater Kivonik, and we are part of the Motherfucker team. Motherfucker's podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. It comes every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So join us for an irreverent and sometimes insightful but always exciting look at the Irish language, Hiberno-English and all sorts of word games at play. Biggie out. Right, we give it a spin? Okay. Alright, sweet. Here we go. At number... 53, do you have it? No. No worries, number 53. The question is, what is the greatest piece of art you've ever witnessed? Oh, wow. Um, I uh, I did art for my leave insert and there was this piece of art that we had to study in detail called the Wilton Diptych. And um, a diptych means like a painting on two panels or you can have a triptych, which is three. Um, and... Uh, the Wilton diptych, it was just something that we talked about so often in like art history and everything. And me and my friend Kim um, just thought it was like a funny word, you know, diptych. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and then we were on a little trip to London the year after we did our leave insert and we just like wandered into the National Art Gallery as you do when you run out of money when you're in London. And um, we just first room we walked into the Wilton diptych was on display like on loan to the gallery and we were like dumbfounded Mm. it it took my breath away like I was like I never thought I would see this diptych in my life and uh, it was just real special to like walk in there with my with my best friend when it had been like an ongoing joke in our lives I think it's I it's funny because wilting is kind of funny anyway, and then diptych makes you think a dick. No, it's wilting, wilting, like a name. Oh, I was hearing it as wilting dick pic, basically. No, which is like you know someone had like snapped a photo of their shriveled up penis. <laughs> that's where that's where my brain was at. Wilton presumably snapped the pic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, right. yeah. It is a funny, a funny word. Mm, the shriveled up snake. Yeah, because people do call penises snakes, which is weird. Who are these people? I don't know, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Oh, drain that... the snake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I felt really... very vulnerable there for a minute. No, but you wouldn't be like, you wouldn't say <laughs> it in a serious way. No. Would I, you? No. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, doctor, doctor. <laughs> I have a problem with my snake. <laughs> my body snake. Oh, yeah. It is funny, though, because sometimes people find it hard to say the word um, penis. What, what film was I watching recently and someone like just couldn't say the word 
oh, it's that new um, Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart film. Mm. This is not a spoiler, unless you were going for penis jokes, which there are not many. I'm really alright, but not seeing Kevin Hart's new film. Yeah, it's, do you know, he's actually, he acts quite well in it. And he, like, he, if anything, I was like, God, I wish Kevin Hart was a bit funnier in this. Because he just, he really? really, like, goes for, like, a, he, he meets Brian Cranston, you know. He's been a bit more serious, yeah. has he? Yeah, I wondered. I wonder when they got the script where they're like, "Oh, this is gonna get us our Oscar," because you know oh. Brian Cranston is in a wheelchair, and whenever like a really famous actor goes in a wheelchair, I'm like, they thought this was the one, and then it doesn't turn out like what the script could have been. Yeah, but he's kind of like proved himself time and time again, hasn't he? Our yeah, Brian Cranston. Yeah, he's great. Oh, he's brilliant. He's very good. And isn't he's just he? a cool guy by the sound of things. Yeah, I feel like Kevin Hart is just trying to be like James Franco and like. You know, be best buddies with. That's fair. When I, I asked would. you that question about the art, did you think I meant like it had to be a painting, or did no. you, you knew it could be anything? Yeah, that's okay. It's so interesting. Whenever someone goes, you see, I'm not, I'm not a big like art guy. I'm not very visual necessarily. Okay. So when someone goes for like something that's uh, a piece of art, I'm always, I, I always think, oh fuck, did I mislead them with the question? But then people just like drawings and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, it could be anything. It could be a parade, couldn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a parade is like it's that street theater. Yeah, really, isn't like it? installation mm-hmm. on the street. That's pretty give, cool. Let's give it a spin. Okay. <laughs> you're very. I like um when I suggest the spin. You're you're very passive and you're like all right if we have to. <laughs> like, okay. All right, we're moving on. And uh, number nine, do you have it? No. <laughs> I have eight and ten. Oh no, that's a sixteen. Never mind. How dare you misread my writing? It's very good. Yeah. In your industry, who is a person you would love to work with? Oh, except Brian for Barbara. Cranston? No, joking. Uh, who would I love to work with? Oh, that's a tough one. I'd like to work with you sometime, Emily. We haven't got to work together. Wow, this is awkward. Uh, That'd no. be fun. Of course. I don't yeah. want to be your answer. It would be weird if I was your answer because that would this be This is a dream come true <laughs> for me. Um, oh, there's so many people. Um, I feel like if I just pick somebody off the top of my head, I'll think about it later and be like, why did I say that? That's okay. Um... Oh God, I don't know. That's all right. Who, who, who? Like, what? What is it in artists that you admire when you work with them? Like, you know, when you're working with someone and you're like, "Oh, this feels great." What is? Where does that normally stem from from you? Um, like, why do I think it's great? Like, yeah, you you know those people that you have worked with and you're like, "That was a fucking great experience." Why? Oh, okay. Well. I don't know, it's usually like on a personal level I really like them or mm-hmm. admire them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I think it's real nice to work with like super smart people mm-hmm. like Gavin Kostick. Mm. Um, and just like, yeah, like people that are real like teachers mm. in their work and stuff like that. Yeah. So what what are the things then that you said it's nice when you like admire the person like what 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 are those qualities that like provoke admiration from within you um i think well like intelligence as i said mm-hmm. and um a real clear vision of what they wanted to be right. like i i really don't like it when people are are like oh let's just feel this out and like see what this is about and 
I'm like, well, it's clearly about this. Mm-hmm. And then they come up with like eight different like possible meanings in the subtext, I say in air quotes. And uh, sometimes the writing is on the wall with these things, you know? Right. And yeah, it's important to like investigate the text and everything. But I don't think everything like scene by scene has to be picked apart, you know? Mm-hmm. If it's If it's just there waiting for you to deliver it in the plainest way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that to me sounds like, that sounds like a kind of director way of thinking of things to me. Like, have you ever thought about doing that? Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I haven't acted on that at all. Like, I've never tried to direct anything, but I have definitely worked with directors where I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that that way. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, is is that not what we all do, probably, as actors? Yeah, definitely. But I feel like a lot of directors start that way, like, as actors, and then are kind of like, oh, I wouldn't, like, they then, they, you know... Because I guess the scary thing, I don't really feel like a theatre director, I don't think. Like, I could see myself directing something on screen before I direct something on stage. Oh, nearly. But it's funny, though, because I'm nearly finished to play at the moment, and it's the first thing that I've written that like I don't have to be in it like I could be in it but I don't have to if I wasn't in it and what does your heart tell you my heart tells me that I love acting and like I haven't been auditioning lately like pretty much everyone I think but you're gonna be in it so I'm probably gonna be in it but at the same time I don't need to be and I don't know who I would get to direct it there are loads of amazing directors there's tons mm. of people that, that could do it but if I was to do it like as a profit share thing like I've done up my other two plays or you know like a self-funded thing whatever way you want to phrase it um, if I was to be in it obviously that would mean you'd have to get someone to direct it but like I guess maybe the thing is I know there are so many brilliant actors out there like yeah. I could like we all know 10 people that could pretty much do anything you think of you know what I mean mm-hmm. so um, that would be an option but I would find it hard and I'd also be scared of the visual part of it I wouldn't be afraid of like going through the script and talking through beats and like giving acting direction I'd be afraid of talking to designers and lighting people and like costume people really? yeah I don't... and was that something that like you um, did in college like in DIT would you have been like involved in that side of things at all? no yeah because in the Lear like you're so like um, integrated into, like you work so closely with the SMTT students. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that is integral, I think, um, in your artistic like education because the kind of stuff doesn't scare me at all. Yeah, that like I think that's one of the reasons why the Lear is the best place to train. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I would say... I would agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it, none of us know if it's true. And yeah. I, I do think it depends on who you are. Like, I think that if I went to the Lear, I would have a very different career. And it might make me feel better now because I think I would know a lot more people. I would. I, I actually know that to be true as a fact. In the sense, I think what's brilliant about that, as you said, you work really closely with designers and the is it SMMT. SMTT SMTT pardon me so you're working with these people who then go out into the industry and are doing brilliant things Mm. as as you see and then you're also working with people who've been in the industry for years and are doing brilliant things and then come into you guys and share those brilliant things and then in turn you know you develop a relationship and as is the way in everything in life you know you people who you like are the people who you want to work with 
But at the same time, going to somewhere like DIT, y- y- that wasn't the culture there. Like, the culture yeah. was, you have these lectures that no one in the industry actually knows. Now, they're brilliant. And I really mean that. Like, they, they yeah. really are. They have brilliant things to offer. But what they don't have to offer is industry experience or, like, I don't want to say connections because I'm sure you're out now and you probably don't feel connected. I'm sure we all feel the same way. Yeah, well, Dublin is so small in that way. Mm. You can't really, like, swing a cat without, like, making a new theatre friend or an industry friend. Sure. Um, But I totally know what you mean. Like, you can have great teachers, but if they're not actually professional people, like, working they might lose touch with what's actually going on out there. Yeah, um, they do. Which is the great thing about the Lear. All the teachers are like working professionally the whole time. I mm-hmm. don't know how they do, mm-hmm. but they, they're amazing. And I um, I had a really positive time there. Yeah, it's interesting because like I know, say if I went to the Lear, I wouldn't have gone and studied in Chicago, obviously, because that's not an mm. opportunity they provide. So like that was an amazing thing and like that completely changed me as a person. Even like forget about acting, like it just changed me as a person, like going away and meeting, living away, living away, yeah, meeting new people, amazing. going to America because like America, it's just a different. America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's you very know? exciting. It was very exciting and very important and very formative. And like, I don't think I like I found such joy in like and meaning in like writing. I wouldn't have. I don't think I, I I'm not sure I would have necessarily found that being somewhere like the Lear, because I found that in Chicago, in like a real specific program that like isn't offered anywhere here, you know, and like that's so important for me. So it's that weird thing of like you look back and, you know, like maybe it's a question, I actually was thinking of adding it as a question here, but it's like if you could go back and like live your life again and like change things, like would you do it? Are you asking me that? I am. Um, You know, the first thing that I thought of when you said that is like, uh, like my first like part time job, if I could go back to that, I would like tell those people to shag off. Really? Yeah, like you know when you're like young and you kind of like doing something for the first time, mm. like people are mean to you in your first part time job. They were so mean to me. What did they do? Um, they were just bullies. Like, and I kind of thought that that's what the working world was like. So if I haven't like worked so much since then. Mm. I would love to go back and stand up for myself. That's what I would do differently, not my training as an actor. But I did go to a, a theatre college, if you could call it that, um, straight out of uh, the Leaving Cert, and did like two years there out of a possible three, and then I got into the layer. And having been on that side of the, the uh, drama school education or whatever, um, it was like, oh, it was like getting to the land of Oz when I went into the Lear just because like it was so like cool and everybody was real serious and dedicated and stuff. So had I not experienced that, the other college, acting college that I had to went to would have probably left a very bad taste in my mouth. Is it because, you know, it's easy for me as someone who didn't go to the Lear to see all the benefits of going to the Lear. I imagine one of the disadvantages of going to the Lear is obviously one of the great things about it is so many of the graduates are working and like really successful and working all the time, which is mm. obviously something as an actor we all strive for. Earlier in the chat, you said that, you know, sometimes it gets tiring or hard being, you know, someone looking for work as an actor or an unemployed yeah, actor, whatever, whatever the phrase was. It, is that made harder by the fact that like people that you trained with you see them doing what you want to do and you're not 
doing it yet you had the same a similar like route there in terms of training oh not at all like um not at all and i think that's probably one of the things that was like taught to us in the layer that you're never really in competition with people my acting teacher hillary would used to say mm. and uh, i really believe that to be true you know and like that gives me energy to see like people that I trained with doing well. I'm mm. like, yes, yeah. get in. Um, but uh, like it's everybody goes through like real quiet periods. Um, and like sometimes that period is like two years. You know, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough regardless of like if your best friend or your girlfriend or something was like doing really well and you weren't. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it worse. It? Yeah, and and uh, it's funny you say when you said that I asked that question in all seriousness, but when you gave that answer, it was like, yeah, I totally believe that. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually feel that off you. I never feel like any because you know, some people you'd feel like a little kind of like niggling resentment, yeah. even if they don't act on it. Like you can kind of feel it there. I'd never sometimes like despite my better judgment, I feel a bit annoyed if I haven't been seen for something. Totally, because I'd be like, oh well, they're kind of like me, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, or just like, oh, I think I could have been in in the pot for that you know yeah um so that's the only time but like that's kind of out of my hands i suppose yeah i know when it because like you go like knocking at the door and being like hello and sometimes you're like sorry like we're not seeing any more people Mm -hmm. which you know they can't see everybody i suppose but uh if it's like something like dublin and like quite like niche and you know like there's not like a million actors in dublin Mm -hmm. i'm a bit like that's annoying now that i wasn't seeing for that yeah, it's interesting. There's this guy I love, uh, Mike Birbiglia. I don't know, are you familiar with him? No. I think you'd like him. He's a stand-up comedian and a filmmaker. He has like loads of stuff on, on Netflix. I'll link you later because it's really good. Cool. And I got to see him when I was in Broadway. I got to see his one-man show. It's on oh. Broadway right now. And it was just, I mean, he's just this amazing storyteller. But he, he talks about this thing. He, he frames it in terms of like being in love. But he's like, I, and I, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but he talks about being in love um, it's from his movie Sleepwalk With Me and he also has a stand-up special on the same thing and he kind of converted that into a movie but he talks about being in love being like uh, you know as a person like and I think as a creative person maybe he frames it but like you're always like ah oh. like you always feel like you have this secret where you're like I'm really special and I have this <laughs> thing that I can like give to the world and like no one knows about it yet but like someday they will and, <laughs> yeah. and then and then and then he's like and being in love is like where someone comes and they see you and they're like, oh my God, you have this secret and like, it's amazing and like, you have so much to give to the it's world. It's like letting somebody in on the secret. Yeah, and like, they see the secret too and like, he describes <laughs> that's what love is and it, it's interesting because whenever, because I get that too, I never mind not getting a part. I mean, sometimes you're like, oh fuck, I'd love to do that part because it's cool or whatever but mm. it's like, when you can't be seen, it is that thing of just being like, I would have something to bring to that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the right thing for what you're doing, but like I know I'd have something to bring and it might be right, but like now we'll never know and that that's a little bit hard. Yeah, it's the not knowing. Yeah, and I think that's a positive thing because as you said, like I don't, I think that's just like, it's not even backing yourself. It's just like appreciating that, yeah, you do, like you do have something <laughs> like and it mightn't be right or it mightn't be, you know, the same as theirs. In fact, it won't be, but that's yeah. kind of the beauty of it. I suppose it'd be kind of weird if you were like, kind of, if you didn't care about that stuff, if you're like really passive about like being seen for auditions, mm-hmm. because like, that's not productive. Yeah. And there's some people that are, and sometimes I'm like, they're the people that do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's interesting because y- 
you know, it's interesting when you just acknowledge, like, you know, for me, I have to acknowledge, you know, for example, they say, like, you know, neediness is very unattractive in a room. Mm. Like, if you're coming into audition. Like, totally. I don't think I have that now. Although that would definitely be where my tendency would push to, rather than, like, not caring. And, you know, if you're one of them <laughs> people that, like, doesn't care, they're like, ah, oh, like, I've been gone to, like, and I don't even, like, dress up for auditions or anything, but, like, I could go like this, like, say, you know, wearing jeans and a shirt and a t-shirt, right? He's naked, he's I'm naked. naked. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> and, but, like, you go and then someone would turn up in, like, like a horrible pair of tracksuit bottoms and like like a or smelly yeah and and they'll they'll smelly, get the part because like they just there is don't a smell care. <laughs> yeah but like maybe that's the thing maybe. no it's not the thing no, and like i not. i think that everybody should like you know wash and like have clean shoes i disagree going into an audition i couldn't disagree more really no, like I'm, have no, you ever gone into a, a space like a rehearsal room and like the floor is just filthy I'm like, what were people doing in this dance studio? Mm. No, no, I, sorry. I think hygiene is very important. Yes. I think it's it very is important. very important. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> So I don't sensitive. want there to be any, like, I'm happy to, like, have anything in the record here, but, like, I do think hygiene is important. Okay, well, as long as we can agree on that. I also think that, I don't know if you ever frame things this way in your brain, but I, this is a weird thing, and I have no evidence to back this up. You can't hold me to it, even okay. though I'm going to put it on the record well, here I forever. I don't care. Um, but, like, that you are someone who, like, might work more when they get older. I feel like that about people. I feel like that about myself. How could you possibly make that assumption about somebody? I think it's reasonable, okay? Because, for example, I have friends who have this amazing, beautiful, youthful look about them. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's amazing. And you're like, oh, if you were just a bit older and haggard, <laughs> you would be like irresistible. No, but as if, an actor. <laughs> but if, if, like, for example, something like. Um, something like asking for it, it needs loads of, like, you know. Young people. Young people. Mm. Like, as in. And they look like that and they have that, like, energy about them. You don't have... You have you actually have quite a youthful look, but I don't think you have a youthful energy at all. I oh, think you... thanks so much, Tom. That's... No, this is not... Do oh. you, why, do you take this as an insult? No, it's just kind of like, you know, when you're in drama school and people, like, call you out in your, um, like, little hang-ups. And one thing was always, like, my energy... Not my energy, but my... um. My, like, speech intonations is quite, like, you know, slow and lazy, kind of. Yeah, but that's amazing, though. I don't yeah, but I think that might be the what's given you the illusion of that I'm not a youthful person, even though I'm 25. No, but, like, I, sorry, I know what age you are, isn't we're friends. But, and I know you're a youthful person. And, yeah. But, and, like, and I've seen you on stage recently, and you actually come across with, like, lots of energy and stuff. But at the same time, that... Energy, like it's funny because I have quite, I probably have quite a youthful energy in ways, but like I don't really, and I have like a youthful face, but like I'm quite broad and I'm kind of like class, class. No, but do you know what I mean? Like I don't look like if you put me in a school uniform, it would look yeah, a bit it silly. Would you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas if you put you in a school uniform, you're like, oh yeah, she totally yeah. isn't. But it, but it's just I, what I'm saying is it's just interesting. Like your energy to me kind of speaks more like, like late 20s 30s to be honest but that's not a bad thing I think that I will like I've always said this about myself which is what it it could be bollocks but like I have a feeling that I will fit better into stuff at that age too like in my late 20s onwards but that could be wrong don't worry mom and dad I have a feeling yeah it's all gonna happen I do though and like that could be total bollocks but like I do fundamentally believe that 
to be true and I can't really do anything about that. Well, no, it it has to be true for some people. I mean, like, didn't Morgan Freeman start acting when he was, like, in his 40s? Right. Same with, like, Samuel L. Jackson. I think Meryl Streep was 29. Mm-hmm. Like, so it it's definitely a thing where it comes later in life for some people. Harrison Ford, I think, as well. But, yeah, and it's not even that it, it, it'll come later in life because I'm not saying, like, oh, and then I'll be a movie star. I'm just saying, like, I think I'll fit things better. In the same way, like, I'm fascinated to see how someone like Barry Keoghan develops because like right now he's got this like like Barry Keoghan I think is older than me but he's got this amazing youthfulness like you he looks like 17 or, or like 20 or whatever he looks yeah. you know it'll be fascinating to see and he has that like I energy. think he's actually going to be 27 this year yeah do you know what I mean yeah it'll be fascinating to see how he ages like when his kind of body and yeah he's on. like his yeah he looks like 17 doesn't he do you know what I mean so like how does that guy age like obviously he's a super talented actor as well yeah. so I don't think he has to worry loads but like th- th- it is interesting how like that happens with people you know it is um, I suppose I think what you're trying to say is that <laughs> sometimes like people's inner life kind of like surpasses their actual age absolutely yeah absolutely and I would agree with you on that that yeah. I am an L one trapped in a young one's body. Well, I think that's why we get on. Oh, okay. Because you think. like older women. Yeah. You like the company of older women. No, but like that's an interesting thing too because I do feel, I do often feel more connected to people who are older than me. Uh, that sounds like arrogant or something or like I'm so developed, but I don't <laughs> know what, why that is. I mean, I just do and that doesn't feel like it's a coincidence necessarily. No, but also it could be other characteristics that they have in common mm-hmm. that uh, you're drawn to as opposed to their age. Mm-hmm. It's like a wisdom, isn't it? But Yeah, but I think you develop certain characteristics with age. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like wisdom. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's good to have um, all sorts of people around you. And um, it's actually really like, yeah, uh, like my nana before she died was in a nursing home for like five years and I really miss being in the company of those old people Mm. like some of them were like 102 and like it's just yeah it's like really special to like be in the company of like really elderly people Um, and yeah that's something that I really miss about like visiting the nursing home but then again I could visit a nursing home without having a relative there Mm -hmm. like they're really into that so maybe I should do that actually it would be nice. I think you'd find like a lot of, yeah. I I th- I was thinking about that like coming into this year of trying to find a way to, kind of, like, and I don't say this earnestly, like, but like to help people, and I mean that selfishly because I know it will make me feel good. No, oh, I'm right there with you, Tom. Like whether it's to go out and do like you know the homeless food runs or something like that. Like I know that would make me feel good, and yeah. it would also be helping people who need help. But I think that's why people do it, isn't it? Not for, like, the self- selfish reasons, but, like, it's just so good to be kind. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, like, something that I was thinking about a lot last night, actually, because the kind of, like, heroin crisis in Dublin is, like, absolutely horrific. Mm. Um, And working in the city centre, like, I see a lot of heroin addicts and, like, my heart goes out to them. You told me a really interesting <laughs> story before of, like, of being with someone and like in the middle of the night for no reason and just going around and like giving you know homeless people blankets and, and, and food and like looking after them do you remember that story? No Yeah you told me this story 
and it was like I think it was like early on in like you meeting someone like a new friend and oh, then oh yeah and like but I, I, I that's I always do. that's always stuck with me and like and how that I think that like really formed the way that you think about like that person and the way that they framed your mind because you're like oh, that is so randomly kind and like genuine and like you know you're not getting anything for that it's not like you're putting like a selfie up on Instagram being like look at me doing my homeless run oh, isn't that the worst yeah so exactly so you're just like this is just pure kindness because it is and like there's there's like that's yeah. a really um, that's a really powerful thing when you are a part of it but also when you see it in someone else yeah and like it's good to be reminded of like our humanity in that way because I think like acts of kindness are kind of further away from us now mm -hmm. um somehow um and it's just it's part of who, who we are as humans that we should look after each other and i think people should make more of a conscious effort to like do kind things like that i remember my mom telling me that her uh, dad used to bring somebody home on christmas day every year mm. um like somebody that they lived in Rathmines, so they'd be it was like the city center so mm -hmm. Yeah, he would he would talk to somebody and bring them home for a Christmas dinner, and I just thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's it's like um, it's that thing of like I remember when my granny um passed away in the summer. It was like I kind of now I I cried an awful lot at a certain point, mm. but like for the like at the wake and stuff like you know you'd be seeing people and people be coming into the house and shaking hands and hugs and all that, and it was never it was never like the fact that like I could look at like granny in the coffin or I could, you know, I could be, I don't know, doing anything and I'd be fine. Like doing the things that you think would would make you emotional when someone has died. But the thing that would actually do it was when I would see like one of my friends or a family friend or a member of the family or something and they'd like, you know, come up and shake your hand and say something kind. when Like, or, or just when they, just even their presence, the fact that they would give up like half an hour of their Friday evening to come to this fucking miserable wake. You know what I mean? But they'd want to be there mm. for you to try and like make you feel less lonely through like a tough time. Like, yeah. and then I go because I was like, that is so fucking fundamentally kind. Like it was other people's yeah. kindness. This is, have you ever read the, um, uh, the Weir by Conor McPherson? No. It's like one of my favourite plays Um, but like there's this amazing monologue in it when he talks about going to see going to he was in love with a girl and she moved to Dublin and he never made the move and then she fell in love with someone else but he was invited to the wedding and he goes to the wedding and like he has to leave at a certain point he can't stomach it and he goes to this pub and he starts necking points and like the barman just knows like this lad is going through something yeah. and he just makes him a sandwich like he just makes him a sandwich and he, he, he just slides the sandwich across the, the bar and he just talks about like how he just like that was the thing that made like tipped him over the edge and he just couldn't stop crying then Cause, and it's like I just I, I don't know there was something about that that I could just so relate to yeah. just like the simple it was a fucking like onion and ham sandwich it wasn't even okay, a nice sounding sandwich. sandwich away from me but like it was just the act of it yeah oh and that's so lovely and it's so like um, simple yeah so simple and so like subtly like noted yeah. Um, but yeah it's it's the things like that about like people coming to be with you and just yeah, it's just so basic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I think that's something that Irish people are very good at. Um, like the whole looking after somebody in a in a period of mourning. Mm. Um, 
maybe that's like a really good thing about growing up in Catholic Ireland. Yeah, we're the whole, very good at death. Yeah, like it's real ceremonious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, like recently my dog died and he was our family dog. I had him since I was 13. And I was kind of like, well, I was devastated, first yeah. of all. But there's no funeral with a with an animal, you know, and I I I was like craving that sort of like ceremonial like let's honor his memory. Uh-huh. Um and we did it in our own way, of course, but like I would have had a mass for that dog in a church. I, like I totally would have done the whole thing. What what way did you honor the dog's memory? Um. Well, you know they give you like three options, and like one is like um to cremate the the dog like on his own, mm-hmm. which is like really expensive. They didn't say how much, but apparently it's crazy okay. expensive. The, or the other option is to like have him cremated with like other animals that died there mm. that week. Um, and I don't know how that works. Like I don't think they give you the ashes back or anything. Um, because it would be all like communal ashes with like mm. bunny rabbits and stuff. Mm. And then the third option was to bring him home and like bury him, which is what we did. Um, in the garden. Yeah, which was lovely and no easy task because he was a very big dog. And um, mm. yeah, my my dad and my brother worked like so hard. Ali was there too, my sister. Um, but yeah, it's it, like digging a, a grave is no easy easy task well it's really interesting you say that because they <laughs> I met Tommy Tiernan once <laughs> I really cool. like Tommy Tiernan okay I met what him once twist? I was trying to work out whether I should say his name but I think it's okay Okay. Uh, he wouldn't know me at all but uh, like yeah. I obviously you know like I met him in a group of about six you know and uh, I was the only person there that he wouldn't have been friends with and I kind of walked uh, arrived with someone in the middle of the conversation and he was telling this story about a friend of his who died from one of the Aran Islands and how apparently on the islands again very ceremonial about death and, and that sort of thing mm. and apparently it's a it's an island tradition that the men um take off their shirts and no matter what the like weather is or anything and they take off their shirts so they're topless bare skinned and they all get shovels and they dig the grave themselves wow. and like they that's that's what they do and they 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 dig the grave and they cover the grave back up and so they don't have like you know well they don't have like a mini digger on the island i guess so and like and they obviously could get it if they want but it's the ceremony of this that they, it's like this, a tradition yeah and i get it i totally that's get it so like nice in a way it's yeah. like really getting back to earth in in the simplest terms mm-hmm. um it's weird like how do you feel about like going into the ground when you die I much prefer it to the idea of cremation. I've been, really? yeah, I've been to cremations, and I, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I, I it just wasn't for me, and I, I totally get the like finality of it, and like, you know, I used to have, I think most people have at some point, like, had the fear of like, oh, what if I'm buried alive? Like, it used to give me like stress, like that actually happened all the time, like I, back in the day. Yeah, apparently, mm. yeah, and I don't think that happens now. Um, no, but it does happen with like tortoises and things that hibernate. Mm. So be wary. Okay. I will. Yeah, I have a checkered history with turtles myself. Do you? Listen to the Michael David McKiernan episode for uh, all them details. Um, But yeah, I think I'd like to go into the ground. Yeah, um, I think so. I I mean, I know I'm not sure of like the environmental implications of it, but like, yeah, I think I would. I I, I like the fact that um, I I like, I'm a very, I love being in nature as well. Mm. Um, And... 
I yeah, I don't know. I mean, like once once I'm I'm gone, I'm I'm gone. I guess. I I mean, the idea like of a a black box isn't very comforting to me. But the idea of like the countryside, which is what I think of when I think of graves, that is. Yeah. That is, and like I won't. I I I guess I won't be here. Yeah, but then the reality is you're probably going to like some family bot plot in like Dean's Grange. Yeah, we we my, my granddad know. when he died was the first person into a new graveyard. There was wow. it was completely empty and he we couldn't get him in anywhere else. Uh well he so he was the Garda commissioner. So you get like you get, you know, a military funeral and all that and as a result you there's a a Garda um graveyard, but he he didn't want that. Like I don't think he ever like cuz obviously being a Garda commissioner is like a big job for anyone listening from like outside of Imagine Ireland. Imagine being buried with your work though. That's the thing. I don't think he liked the idea of it defining him because no, like basically he's like the family. chief of police, you know, yeah. it would be the American equivalent or something. Um, so you're like the number one, like it's a, it's a really big job and especially then he was there like at the end of the Troubles and stuff like that. So, you know, he would have been, like I'd, I think it'd be an exaggeration to say like a celebrity but he would have been very well known in the public eye. Yeah. And he, he, I think historically he goes down as being like one of the good ones in the sense that like he didn't monumentally fuck what up. What was his name? Or wasn't corrupt. Larry Wren. Larry Wren, like the bird? Around. Like the, yeah. Wow. It's kind of sad because we're all Morans now. Wren will be my mum's uh, name and we didn't, you know, we didn't go, and like, so that name will die with them. There's not a lot of Wrens at all. It's a very, very unusual. That's surname. interesting because my um, grandmother on my dad's side is a partridge. Oh. It's also a bird. Yeah. Yeah. It, and yeah, you have like Lark and mm-hmm. loads of cute bird names yeah um but that's so interesting that he went into like a brand new graveyard because like what what makes a graveyard a graveyard only graves Mm -hmm. so like before it was like a field and then all of a sudden it was he was the king of the graveyard yeah they allocated you know like is in it was like fenced around and they built like you know like toilets and a little a little flower caretaker thing yeah Yeah. there's a fountain in the middle he's right near the fountain which is kind of nice um yeah and so my granny's gone in now and now my granny and granddad are the first couple in there you know it's interesting so there's probably only Mm. still like 10 plots in the graveyard and like granddad died like two and a half years ago and now and granny died i guess like a few months ago like six months ago maybe not even six months ago like four or five months ago and um so they're the first couple in there now something nice about being the first it is kind of romantic yeah it's so funny when she died like her only request for her funeral was it was exactly like his Oh, that is get away from me, Tom. That, that is too sweet. Yes, yeah. She was just like, like you know, she wanted no originality or anything. Oh. She just like just make it exactly like his. Cause she like enjoyed it in some weird way. I wonder, like, what, like, if she could, like, you know, if she rem- was able to remember it. Cause it obviously must be so traumatic. Like they were together for like over seventy years, so it must be so traumatic to like bury, you know, yeah. your absolute life partner, you know. I wonder, like, could she even remember it, like, after it happened? And I don't mean that in a, like, oh, she was old and stupid way, but, like, as in, or does your body just, like, shut down and just, like, we're just going to get through this and then we're going to forget because this will not serve us going forward? I read um, a thing, it, it must have been from, like, um, a bit of text that I got for an audition mm. and uh, it really struck a chord with me and it was one of the characters was going somewhere to get, like, I think it was an abortion and her friend said don't look at this place too hard so we don't have to remember it Mm. and I was like oh my god we do that all the time we don't remember things well deliberately Mm -hmm. when they're awful 
Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say that would be a kind of a burying your husband kind of day to not take in the detail, wouldn't it? Mm. Um. Oh, so heartbreaking. Do you give it a spin? Yeah. Ooh, a bit of enthusiasm on that. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on. I like it. Before I cry. Video. Yeah. Okay. Number 58. Do you have it? I oh, know you don't. You have 59. Go fuck yourself. Number 58. The question is, in terms of artistic creation, what drives you to do what you do? Um, Ego. <laughs> uh, is that true? I think all of us have. Yeah, I think fundamentally for every performer, it's an ego thing. How dare you? It has to be, Tom. It has There's to definitely be. an element to that. Like, well, at no, one no. point, we were like, we are a gift, let's share it with an audience. I think I come at it from the exact opposite place. Right, go on. No, I do, honestly. <laughs> no, and what you're saying, there is truth in it, absolutely, and for yeah. me as well. But I think I more come from it, like, as in, I feel like a piece of shit, please love me. Maybe that's the same place, I'm not I sure. I think that might be the same place. Yeah, maybe it is. I think maybe our insecurities are tied up in our ego as well. I'm sure they are. But you said, like, you, I, I don't, I honestly don't. Hmm, you don't feel like a gift. <laughs> I feel way more like a gift now than I did when I was younger. Okay. I like myself way more now. But, like, I still have that thing of, like, wanting people's approval all the time. Yeah. But it's good now because I don't feel like it controls me anymore. Like, and for example, if we, if we, you've never met the me I'm talking about, because I only know you for maybe like, let's say two years, two years. Yeah, yeah. no more. And I, I'm like, I was very, very different when I was, you know, younger, but like, I would never have anything you said, even if I did like really didn't agree with it. There was no way I was picking you up on that. And even still, I'm not like, I'm not a confrontational person, but like, if someone says something that I fundamentally disagree with, not even that I'd be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, but I'll, I'll be willing to like explore it at least or like ask them about it. Whereas before I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Because I just, I thought that that's how you made people like you, which is actually kind of true. Like being agreeable. Yeah. Like I was in, I'd say I was more likable in that sense then, but it wasn't like authentic. Whereas now, like I still think the vast majority of people like me, but I'm pretty authentic. Yeah. To who I actually am, which is still an agreeable person, but it's like authentically agreeable rather than like performatively so. Yeah. Well, that's a healthy place to be. I think so. Yeah, totally. And so you think that it comes from, so did you feel like, because you don't strike me as someone who feels like God's gift. No, I, I definitely don't. But I think um, there that like we are definitely um, united in a way, like I say, we for actors and artists at large, mm -hmm. that um, like you want to contribute or in an artistic way, but yeah, I th I think it has to be um, in the that inception of the idea, like no matter how what age you are, I think it must come from a slightly egotistical place. But having said that. Um, I think uh, it's like a weird a weird need to fulfill um, my creative side of my personality like I just love to make things and love to yeah do plays and stuff and be other people and I think um, it's kind of like a, a weird science in a way like to take on another role and you know, entertain people and charge people with money to come see you do that. Sure. It's like weird, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I mean, you're really backing yourself to be like, I am interesting. I am worth it. Like, I am worth this hour of your time. I have an interesting time. take on this person's life. Yeah. But yeah. you do as well. Yeah, everybody does. Mm. Um, and it's um, it's something that uh, we need as humans. Like, people love art. Mm-hmm. They love music. They love books. They love TV and film and theatre and... We are the poor fuckers that are supplying it, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see you write something. I'd love to see myself write something, Tom, to be honest. I'd love it. I think you'd be brilliant at it. Um. Yeah, it, it was something that I always wanted to do, but I think um, it, like, I, it takes so much of your creative energy, I think. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, it seems like such a daunting thing to do because so many people are writing deadly stuff the whole time you know it's kind of I'm like a, it's the fear it's of not knowing if I'll be good at it you I know like there's such a temptation to throw out like you know a shit quote at you and try and change your no, mind no like I know them all I know um, of course you do yeah, like, that's why I'm not going to uh, do it yeah so I'm just going to listen to myself and um, one day I think I'll be like yeah now's the day it's fair yeah. Just know I'm waiting for it. He is waiting. I can't wait for it. <laughs> All right. If there's anything I can do, to, there's nothing I could, I could do, of course. Write it for me. I would just love to, I, I will write something. I, I, I just like your perspective on things. Thanks. Man. I find you very interesting. I find you interesting. That's good. I'm glad that we're friends. Okay, let's give it a spin. <laughs> uh, uh, number, I'm glad that we're friends too. Sometimes I get, like, do you ever hear someone, like, tell someone, like, do you ever hear someone say, like, I love you to someone and then they don't say it back? Like, that makes me, like, that makes me so, that's, like, the worst thing I think people can do. <laughs> and did you just have a, a touch of that there when I said I'm glad we're friends and you didn't say anything? Yeah, and I, like, but in my heart I was, like, screaming, yes, I love me you. too. Yeah. <laughs> I love you so much. I love you too, man. And, um, but I really like find that hard when people don't, like if I see someone like open themselves up and like, you know, make Put that leap and then someone there. doesn't meet them there. Like it's, it's like when someone goes for a high five and the other person doesn't see it or does see it and pretends not to notice. Oh, are those, are those people out there? I don't know, but like probably. I really hope they're not. Yeah, I have tears in my eyes and I'm not crying and I'm just, I'm self-conscious because it looks like the fact that you said you want to be my friend has brought me to tears. Mm, you've been crying the whole time. <laughs> I have. I hate to tell you. I have. All right, number 18, do you have it? No. No worries. Number 18, are there any things that you do day to day to stay healthy? Um, I have like a really strict skin regime. Does that count? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I had like really bad skin um, as a teenager and into my 20s. Your skin looks great day. today. Thank you. Um, I... I love that because I do feel good about my skin at the moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm always trying to sort it out. My life is just a constant um, struggle to sort out my skin. And I like to take evening primrose oil um, and lots of vitamin B and niacin. It's good for brain function. Mm. And vitamin C. Um, you can't overdose on anything, any vitamins other than vitamin A. And uh, Brendan Sheen, a really nice guy that I met um, doing an episode of Into the Badlands a couple of years ago. Okay, no need to brag. Um, oh, please don't. <laughs> please don't look it up. Uh, 
actually the most valuable thing that I took away from that was this piece of information from Brenda Jean mm. that uh, like you can take like 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day and he has done for like oh, something like really impressive like seven years and he hasn't been sick don't quote me on that but like really? yeah like and I don't know like the sun shines out of that man's eyes so I was like I believe vitamin C is improving your life so that's something that I like to do that's nice. Yeah, everybody get a chewable vitamin C tablet quick. Do, does bad skin? I, I, I was talking. I do nothing for my skin at all. Okay. I have very naturally good skin. I don't know why. I just always have. I like haven't moisturized ever. I don't like do anything. I, I shower like every day. All right. Well, now you're showing off. So when I was in school in transition year, we were we had like because you know that's like the age a lot of people are suffering with like acne and I think that mm. can, I can only as in like. If I think back about how self-conscious I was as a teenager with good skin, you know, I can only imagine, like, on top of everything, you're already naturally self-conscious about that age. And if you have bad skin, I can't, can only imagine. But there was a the makeup, it was like a makeup skin specialist. Like, she was, she was talking to the girls about how to remove their makeup or, you know, apply it okay. properly in a healthy way, I guess. And to the guys about, like, what they should be doing, whatever it was. It was like mm. skincare regimes. It's a pretty cool thing that they did, actually, I suppose, in hindsight. But anyway, and, like, one of the first... She walked into the classroom and she was setting up her things and we were sitting in these, like, lecture-style seats, like, theatre-style, like, they were rows, they were tiered. And, like, out of nowhere, she just lifts her head up and, like, points at me and go, you, you have amazing skin. And it was the first thing she did and everyone, of course, just breaks their shit laughing at me and my skin. Uh, did you get any, like, weird nicknames? Well, like, people day? would literally... People would literally call, like, just... Would just quote her like it wasn't even funny, but that just the like, memory. Oi, nice skin. Pretty much, like <laughs> it was just weird. But like you know, as a kid, like you don't want to be known for anything that makes you different, even if it is a positive thing. Yeah, I guess you just you just want to. Well, blend. yeah, I feel like that was kind of like misjudged on her behalf as somebody that goes into schools to talk to teenagers. Like, don't fucking isolate anybody. That's a good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't mean anything. I might get her on the show. She, of course she didn't mean anything by it, but, like, you're still talking about it today. Yeah. So what does that say? Oh, man, that's such an interesting point. Like, the things that, like, you think about, or or, or similarly, you know, the things that you, um, the things that you still think about, like, that maybe an interaction you had with someone and it was so meaningful to you and you know they don't remember it. Or, like, you know, or maybe you think they do and then you're to bring it up with them and then they're like, I'm really sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. I feel like... I don't know why, but I feel like that's mostly like trauma based. So like somebody close to you could say something that has like a devastating effect, and they don't remember it. Mm. Um, and maybe it's even a positive thing. Like you have nice skin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it can be quite uh, disarming. I think when people point out stuff about you in front of large groups. Like I, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't consider the skin thing a trauma at all. Even though I do remember it, but it wasn't traumatic. But one thing that was traumatic was when I was. I don't know what age I was. Let's say I was... Mm, oh, fuck. What age would I have been? I really don't know. But let's just say like 11, okay? okay. And I was in hospital and I was getting my appendix out. Oh. It was about to burst. And um, they didn't know what it was for a while because like people... Like I knew I was in a lot of pain, but people like often get like appendicitis confused with constipation because the pain's in a similar part of your body. Okay. And like I've never suffered with bad constipation, but like I'm, I think the pain of that can be really serious and like jabbing in, in that area. And I went in for like an ultrasound, which is one of the ways that they check it out. Another way they put like that jelly stuff in yeah. your tummy. And like, I, sorry, I also should 
put this in the context of like I was very heavy as a child and so like I like you know took off my shirt which even at that age like I knew I didn't like it and I had to get in a weighing scale and to do all these things and then um basically the woman was like she did it and like she was having trouble with the ultrasound machine and then she said to me now Tom you're making my job very difficult because (sighs) with all the belly fat I can't see what's going on in your belly and like she started saying I don't remember exactly what she said but that was the essence of it she was like you are so fat that I can't do my job properly and that was like her way of being like I'm gonna talk to this young sprout about handling his body weight yeah like she thought she was doing you a favour maybe yeah or maybe and I wonder like because I feel like that couldn't have been true because I wasn't like morbidly obese or anything like that absolutely I was like I was heavy but I was also like a kid it was like you know puppy fat as well as being like just fat but like um, and then I remember after I got the operation out and like or sorry I got the operation to get the appendix out and I was struggling like it was a pretty painful thing like it was keyhole surgery but like this was in like I feel like a a day or something after and like you were kept in for however many days not long but like I was she was like you should be able to walk by now and because you're so fat you can't walk that's why you can't walk it's not because of the operation Tom it's because was your mum there to like hear this no but I remember telling her after and her being like so angry because like that's so damaging it really was it really was especially to a child because you just you're in a hospital and this person has a medical background and you're going to trust them with your life Mm -hmm. And then she's saying stupid things like that to you. Yeah, and she organ. I remember she organised a meeting with a dietitian for me and my mum to go to. And the dietitian was kind of like, "Why? Why are you here?" Like she didn't really get it because she was like, "Yeah, you're like a little bit chubby, like, but you're yeah. you're like eleven. You're kind of you're meant going to, be. to be fine." Yeah, yeah, you know. And but it's weird because like I like I wonder how because I talk about this all the time in the podcast because I think it's. Well, I don't know. It's been on my mind lately, but mm. as well, I think it's okay to talk about. Like, I do have a load of like, like most of us do, like a load of body stuff and body yeah. issues and image issues. And I wonder, is it from that? How room? much of it is? Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. Because obviously, you weren't like getting that at home. You know, no, if this was like the no, fir- it wasn't. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. This is like the first time somebody has criticized you, and not only are they criticizing you, like it's an adult in a yeah. hospital criticizing. That's so true. Yeah, because she had like a stethoscope and shit. Yeah, like she had status. Yeah. That's so, I'm so sorry that happened to you, Tom. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, no, it was just, I don't know, I don't even remember why we were, yeah, it came from the skin thing, I guess. But yeah, it is It is interesting how that stuff just, like, it, it's interesting what sticks and what doesn't, yeah. and what sticks for you. Like, And I wonder what part I am in someone's life like that, because I'm sure I've had an interaction with someone where I made them feel like that, and I've completely forgotten about it. I didn't even know I did it, but like they'll remember that forever. Like, that's very possible. I feel like if you're not a total, like, ignoramus, that probably, you that hasn't happened, like that you have insulted somebody without even realising in that mm. sort of way. Mm. I feel like it probably happens a lot to all of us as we're growing up and people can be so cruel and, mm-hmm. like, adults can be so cruel. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, having acne um is so awful in the same way it was probably just as awful for you to be criticised by that woman about your weight Mm. Um, and yeah like there's been times even recently where I like cancelled like a night out because I didn't want to go out because I had spots on my face oh man yeah I've 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 had that with like being like I don't want to go out because I feel fat I don't have like clothes that make me look skinny yeah before isn't it terrible and uh, do you mean that like as an adult like in the last couple of years oh like in the last few months right 
Um, because it, 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 it's your face, you know. It's yeah, you face. can't hide it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, people are like we all have our own stuff, I suppose. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's something that I like to do: look after my skin. At least if I know that I'm doing everything that I possibly can. If I get spots, it's not my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Right, will we give it one last bit? Yeah. Okay, sweet. You got progressively more excited about this throughout the episode, I hate to tell you. Well, but I'm, a I'm big just fan hoping I get a number. Right, last chance saloon, number 16. Yeah! Oh, nice oh, one. Was that planned? Uh, I lied. It was actually 14. I just want... No, it is 16. It's very faded, though. Look, you can barely see it, but that actually is 16. Well, I can't see anything, so... It, yeah, God bless very your faded. I might need to put, like, stickers on them, because um, these balls have been... Bingo. Around the block. They've been around the ball block. Uh, okay, number 16. Oh, nice. This hasn't been up in a while. <laughs> I don't know why I said nice. It's not nice. But what are your memories of the not nice 9-11? Oh, um, I remember... I um it was two thousand one, so I was eight, and uh, me and my brother had come from home from school and wanted to watch Ducktales. Uh, have you seen Ducktales? No. Um, it's a great, great movie. Um, but uh, we were watching Ducktales, and my mum got a phone call from my dad, who was in work, being like, "Turn on the news! Turn on the news!" My mum came in like pressed the video like out of the VHS player and was like frantically putting on the news. I was like, Mom, we're watching DuckTales. Like, what are you doing, you silly old lady? And um yeah, I just remember like we had the the news on when the second plane hit and um I didn't really understand what was happening and like my mom um God bless her, she's uh she's real emotional and she was like bawling her eyes out. And um, uh, like it was so so tragic, mm. obviously, but I couldn't really understand what was happening. Like I, I don't even know if I knew that it was the news that we were watching, or if it was like the news from before. Do you get me? And then like we we're like, oh, this is so crazy. And uh, then after a while, I was like, um, can I put Ducktales back on? And lo and behold, it went back on onto the. TV and I finished it and then I remember um, in school the next day I went to a lovely school North Bay Educate Together National School and um, they were really good about like world events and stuff like that and they would be real like no nonsense this is what's going on and I remember my a guy in my class John Oscar Gibbons his mom was uh, is American and she came in and like talked to us wow. about yeah what was going on like Bush and everything mm. And, um, yeah, I remember being like, wow, this is so messed up. Yeah, it's funny. Again, yeah, it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, maybe a little bit about the kindness thing. Like, I remember when that happened, me and my mum and my two younger brothers went to the American embassy in the Phoenix Park just to leave flowers and, like, a candle, maybe. Uh, I think it was a thing that was being done because we went there, there were, like, thousands and thousands. But I remember we met this American couple and I'd say they were, like, you know, pensioners probably. They could have been in their, like, late 60s, maybe early 70s. But because they were American, they looked better than us. You know, like, they didn't, <laughs> like, they weren't, like, as weather-beaten as us. Like, and they had nicer teeth and um, better tans. They looked like they played golf together. But they definitely used a buggy to go around. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> they, they weren't walking. So they were dorks. Yeah, they were dorks, but lovable <laughs> dorks. And anyway, one of their, their names was, uh, the, the man's name was Richard. I can't remember the woman's name. And I only remember his name was Richard because that's the name Your of my brother. younger brother. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well remembered. Yeah. That's very sweet and that you ben? remember that. Oh, 
that's very stuff. good. Like, I like yeah. that now. Um, and um, but he was so we kind of connected over the fact that like you know they shared names or whatever. But they they and like again it was that kindness thing. They couldn't believe like the kindness of the like Irish people. I suppose just that everyone was going and leaving stuff. They were so blown away. Like not that they didn't think we'd care, but they didn't think it would be as impactful as it was oh, for us. No, it, it really was. It, like <gasps> shook the world, didn't yeah. it? And like I just remember the footage of like people jumping out of windows and everything and yeah. Oh, it was just it was crazy, crazy time. Uh-huh. Um I don't know if you watch Peep Show, but there's an episode where they're talking about um the news and it's like they're like um oh, I suppose like honestly I've been bored since 9/11. Like mm. that was good news. Wow. Like it's so risque, but like it really gripped the world, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was well, it was spectacular, phenomenal news. Yeah, it was it like was out of this world, scary, terrifying. This is real life. Yeah, like even when you think about it now, like even the act of actually not not to fucking trivialize it, but like the act of actually hitting the tower, like properly. You you know what I mean? I know they like, must have been like training for that. Oh, totally. Like, and I know, like, obviously, you know, you know, you start in Dublin and you end up on like a really specific runway in like Manhattan. I know these, like, this is like completely like how planes work, but at the same time, like in the middle of Manhattan, like flying that low, like it was spectacular. Yeah, actually, that's such a good point. Like the whole fucking thing. Yeah, the city of skyscrapers. Yeah, and like two, we're gonna hit you. So you get that one, I'll get this one. Like, and we'll do it within like whatever. I don't know how long the gap was, but it wasn't that long. And it is kind of mad that it took two to take them down, considering they're so close together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it is. It's absolutely mental. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's it's mad to actually think back on it and be like that happened in our lifetime. That happened in our lifetime. I know. Camilla, this has been deadly. Yeah, it's been fun. This has been this has been this has been like I really like this episode because I'll always remember this episode. This this episode is a very like sp- no, it's because you you have a very specific energy, and I think I, you know, you you automatically when you you know you're talking to someone, not that you match their energy, but like their energy is going to affect your energy, and my energy is different around you. But I really like that about like there's certain people that do that to me, like I Camille, Camille Lucy Ross, yeah. Yeah, she does that to me as well. In like what way? I don't know. I'm. I just. Like, I, would she chill you out? Yeah, maybe she slows me down. I don't know if you like slow yeah. me down a little, but I, I, I a little bit, di- not different, but like good different. Yeah, she's so chill. Yeah. She's lovely to talk. To. She's great. Yeah, you're great. We love you, Camille. We do. Thanks for doing this. Oh no problem. Thanks um, for having me. Do you want to sit beside each other at John Dennehy's show? Um, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> Emily Fox, thanks for playing personality bingo. Thanks, Scott Warren. So, guys, that was the outstanding Emily Fox playing personality bingo with Tom Warren. I always try and think of different... Is that an adjective? I think it's an adjective, but a different word to describe the guest, and I'm pretty happy with outstanding. Uh, I like it. It's kind of atypical and unusual. Like Emily, but in the best way, because she's great. She's one of my favourite people. Um, If you're listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. It was brilliant, and uh, what a chat, what a gem you are. Uh, Guys, as I said, the Patreon page is launched. Uh, Click in the show notes there. 
have a look at what we're talking about it's Patreon personality bingo any kind of a Google search of that is going to get you there uh, it's in the show notes too the link go and check it out even if you have absolutely no intention or ability to contribute I totally understand but the Patreon page is kind of cool and uh, go and have a look at it we've got some of our artwork up there uh, there's some insights into the show and it's a great way to keep in touch with me if you do have any thoughts um, and look as I said it's a model based off soundness if you are in a position to chuck something our way please do look uh, our you know the, the suggestions started like 5 uh, euro but really it doesn't matter what it is it's the mere thought of like doing it whether it's a euro or two euro that makes a huge difference I know that sounds stupid even as I say that that sounds stupid but I also know the numbers that we have going on and it actually isn't it actually makes total sense if it makes sense for you it'll make so much sense for us but genuinely thanks from the bottom of my heart to all the people who have come on board and um, I'm going to keep continuing to let you guys know about it so um, if you are in a position um, please jump aboard and if not I totally totally understand thank you for listening i hope you keep on doing so um a few quick thank yous as always to the boss woman erin Lindsay, for mixing editing and producing this podcast thank you so so much you are a star to the amazing leah moore and anthony manley for their beautiful theme music i had to swallow there i had some saliva in my mouth and to the amazing oh sorry to preface your name with my saliva thoughts but Connor Nolan for his gorgeous artwork and as always to the phenomenal Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary lads thank you so much for having us aboard the network and um, for all that you do Uh, guys look what a pleasure it's been tune in next week when the outrageous (laughs) oh that makes it sound like you could be like a sex offender or something I was just trying to make it another adjective is it adjective I don't know to the to the to the to the beautiful Sean Carey when he plays Personality Bingo with Tom Morning.